0: Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about how the Fed's recent actions are affecting the global economy, as well as new home sales, mortgage rates, lots of other housing economic news. We're doing something different today. We're recording this live as a video that's available for HW Plus members, and we'll be doing this once a month. So if you're not an HW Plus member, you need to fix that right now so you don't miss out. First, here's a word from our sponsor.
1: From first-time and non-traditional home buyers to those needing a jumbo loan for a second home, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers since 2015. Finance of America Mortgage is licensed to lend in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, and backed by best-in-class lending technology with a wide range of innovative and proprietary mortgage products. They're prepared to help borrowers find loans that meet their needs. Want to join an award-winning team and elevate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housingwire to learn more. Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID number 1071. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal opportunity employer.
0: We have a lot to talk about. So, Logan, welcome to this live podcast.
2: It is a pretty crazy uh, 15 (laughs) hours, uh, Sarah. And just to uh, give everyone some perspective here, uh, FHA 30-year fixed rates were 7% last, last night or yesterday, and they dropped half a percent this morning. This is a savagely unhealthy housing market, and the mortgage rate pricing market is just adding on to it and you, you this has become so sloppy around the world uh almost to the point where it's embarrassing right uh the of course uh as we've talked about before, the strong dollars creating havoc Japan had to do bond buying already uh yesterday uh, you know London got involved into it they need to do what they can to uh, balance out their marketplaces. So they're they're doing a bond buying. So Janet Yellen recently talked about how she saw no uh, stress in the financial market. What a joke. OK, it is absolutely the, the markets are all not working properly out there. And this is what happens when chaos happens. And whenever something is chaotic, it's savagely unhealthy
0: okay so let's take a step back and tell us how all these things work together so if i you know i'm i'm not an expert on the bond market so why are you know tell us what happened yesterday what happened the day before uh walk us through that and why that's affecting mortgage rates right now
2: so pretty much since the fed's uh meeting um bond yields have been uh selling off the dollar has been getting super strong uh, markets around the world are not functioning properly. And the, the world really can't handle a dollar getting too strong just because of the uh, uh, how the global economy works. And things are selling off so fast that it's creating uh, stresses in financial markets and other uh, economies. For example, I, I don't know the specific details, but it looks like there could have been margin calls on pension funds in, uh, uh, in London. So... It, Whenever something like this happens, the the Federal Reserves have to intervene to calm the markets down, where our Federal Reserve is just basically, hey, listen, we got to do our thing here, right? Um, And part of the article that we wrote for Housing Wire recently on taking the exact words of what Chairman Powell said and trying to show people what a housing reset is, but also showing the dynamics that the Federal Reserve is really causing a lot of chaos out there. Uh so this is it it happened very fast right we've had two emergency meetings by two of the biggest banks out there the Bank of Japan and the Bank of England so this is what happens when when things aren't working properly and that's why it's very puzzling that treasury Janet Yellen said I don't see nothing wrong with the financial markets and uh, uh this is the aftermath that happened a lot more quickly than people thought
0: So in that Q&A with um uh, Chairman Powell. Someone asked him specifically about the effects on global markets, how how the Fed was thinking about that, and you wrote that you know you you went line by line on some of his answers. What did he? What was his answer about? Hey, this could this could really uh, he, risk a you know, global he, problem. He
2: he tried to give a um, assurance that these people are all talking to each other, and within days, it, chaos happened. Right, uh, and this is why I, I use the term sloppy. You know, there's you can be clever sometimes in the financial market world or you could be sloppy like what's going on. And when you have this much chaos uh, in financial markets, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And for the mortgage market, um, we cannot have a functioning housing market if rates are going up half a percent one day falling back down. You know, it just it's just not going to work out uh, that well. Uh, you, you can't have the biggest decision financially in your life and just not know where rates are going to be in some in, in some fashion. So it's it's not it's not a functioning economy marketplace right now. And I'm just assuming that the Federal Reserve is already having some kind of back discussions on on maybe trying to stabilize everything because it's it's simply embarrassing right now what's happening. I mean, the Bank of England was talking about giving a speech you know, tomorrow, I think, about quantitative tightening, and they've canceled it because they're buying bonds again. And uh, uh, it's, it's just one of the factors of uh, aggressive rate hikes in the U.S. being the really only super uh, economic power in the world and our dollar getting too strong. And this is something we've talked about since the middle point of last year, that traditionally what happens is when the Fed starts hiking rates, you see the dollar make its biggest percentage move uh, ahead of that, but it's just keep on getting stronger and stronger and uh, the world is is paying a price. So we're seeing bond our bond markets sell off very aggressively as well and mortgage rates are, uh, the 10-year yield got to 4%, which forced me to do my new meme, you know, I, for the 10-year yield fell below 4%. So we all survived the 4% 10-year because I'm trying to get men to be tougher social media because everyone freaks out when the 10-year yield got to three percent so now we have four percent but um uh it's just not it's not a functioning marketplace and that's that's what we have to do that's what the world is dealing with and uh i think there's there's not a coordinated uh, an effective coordinated plan by all the central banks when they have to resort to emergency tactics like this uh, out there when everyone should know that the U.S. dollar is going to get stronger. There's all this myth about the dollar collapsing or whatever. You know, it's just come on. You know, it's, it's it's not going to happen. The fear should have always been the dollar getting too strong. And today, as of right now, the dollar is getting weaker. And that's what most likely will be beneficial to the world right now is the dollar getting weaker at this point uh, uh, just to calm markets down.
0: So, you know, Powell has been very clear that their mandate is, at this point, you know, getting that, that lower inflation stabilized. He's been super, super clear about that. So how do these other uh, world effects, how how does that affect his mission, what he sees as his the, mission?
2: The, the, Fed, the Fed has one job. We need people to lose their jobs, right? It's right. Not, it's, it's, they're not even really hiding it anymore. Um, they they need more pain right i think what the, the president of the atlanta fed Bostic, you know he said we're going to do our best to not make it painfully painfully bad for americans you know when you're resorted to tactics like that you know what you're saying is that the the fed truly believes that if they can create higher unemployment wage growth will slow down and then inflation will slow down uh, we see some of the inflationary pressures already falling because the financial markets are getting tighter. Of course, rent growth is falling right now. it won't show up until 2023 in the CPI data. Um, of course, uh, w- with mortgage rates rising, the growth rate of pricing is falling. That's what the Federal Reserve wants you know in that article I highlighted that if you actually take Powell's words to it, uh, he really wants supply back to 2019 levels to get a functioning marketplace. Out here. Um, so you freight costs are falling. So you, you, you see some of this, but when you kind of just go gun ho and you're just kind of ignoring the financial markets, this is what happens, right? Uh, uh, you have financial markets starting to get stressed out there globally. So, uh, I don't I don't believe the Fed when they when they when they talk tough. I'm like, I'm, they just remind me of a bunch of nerds being pushed around by Wall Street bullies and they're really trying to come back in and, and, and be aggressive. So uh, uh, but to me, it's the it's the labor market that checks them with that kind of language. And job openings are still too good and jobless claims are still too low for them to to budge on that.
0: If rates are falling this morning, how, how does Powell look at that? How does he say, you know, this is what I want?
2: You know, one of the comments uh, this week about from the Federal Reserve is that uh, they, uh, they said that they're closely monitoring the housing market. I, I don't really believe them, but I don't imagine the Fed thought rates would jump up so fast, uh, 4 to 5, 5 to 6, 6 to 7. Uh, uh, you, you know, it's a far cry from 2013 when they kind of thought, listen, rates moved up 1% and that was too fast, right? They want a more orderly marketplace. My concern is that we, we we're seeing new listings data decline uh, in this volatility because you know the cost of shelter has gone up so much so fast uh, that you know people just oh you know really not not my thing at this point. I mean can't get a functioning marketplace so. Uh, my thing is all about getting more supply inventory to get effective pricing models. Things out there that would be normal, and that's the concern of having rates spike up so fast uh, that you know people making decisions tend to go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" There's too much drama out here. I've got a house already. I'm good. I'll, I'll deal with this later. Uh, and that's that's the discouraging news of seeing the new listings data decline uh, as it has.
0: Well, let's talk about new listings data. Um, the story that you wrote for HousingWire this week, um, it, at first it looks like good news, right?
2: Well, yeah, the new home sales data actually jumped up 28%. And we are—we had another report in June where it beat estimates. One of the things I've tried to emphasize, not just in the new home sales market, but in housing in general, we're not working from very elevated levels like we were in 2005. And and I always like to show this with new home sales. New home sales of about 1.4 million in 2005. So you had this 82% crash in new home sales working from a very elevated level here before this report even happened this week, we're at 511,000. That's below the recession of 2000. That's all the way back to 1996. So whenever you get maybe some uh, demand pickup, uh, you could get these really big percentage moves on a month-to-month basis. It doesn't really change the narrative story. So for me, as always, with all my work, the new home sales sector is in a recession or in a penalty box when monthly supply is above six and a half months on a three-month average. So I nothing changes for me with the builders or the new home sale market until monthly supply gets below six and a half months on a three-month average, and then new home sales are rising, of course. Then the builders will start building. Now the builders are like, no more new home construction until we get rid of this supply. So... Uh, uh, and one of, one of the other things for everybody to realize, you see these charts on social media, the most homes under construction, and people use this as, oh, here comes the major housing supply. Millions of homes are coming onto the market. And I was like, you people don't read the reports? You literally eight months. I'm like, okay, finally, yesterday on Twitter, I said, there is like 461,000 new home sales available, Right. And only 49,000 of them are completed to move in. That's not millions of homes. This is why reading is a good thing. The history of human civilization has always casted a dark dawn on people who don't read because they just make up stuff and they look silly. And yesterday was one of those points that, I go, okay, there's your two to three billion listings right there. There's only 460,000 homes available. This is why total inventory levels are still very low historically for the existing home sales market.
0: Even if all of those new home sales were available, that's still not even a million homes. But we're talking forty nine thousand have been completed. Like that, that's yes. it, incredible.
2: It's it's yeah. I mean, the monthly supply drop was was abnormal. Like we went from ten point eight months to eight point one months. That doesn't happen normally. So uh, majority of that supply is either homes that are in construction or hasn't started. I think zero point eight six months are completed. So uh, again. Reading. Reading is a good thing. It was right there. Every report, nobody reads it. So the majority of the inventory tends to always come from the existing home sales market because it's this massive marketplace, right? So we've had a really big hit on demand. um, And the last existing home sales report total inventory fell. Uh, We're not going to breach to the 2019 levels uh, on the low end for this year. Seasonality is about to kick in. Uh, and, And I say this all the time, you know, don't use 2002 to 2011 sales to inventory models or, or or credit to inventory models. Those those aren't working. 2007 had four million total active listings. We're at 1.28 million. There's a reason for that. Credit cycle is much different. Homeowners are doing much better. Housing tenure has doubled. Uh, it's a totally different dynamic in housing. And a lot of people uh, who've talked about this major supply coming on the market this year. Performance anxiety did not work out, man. Very unsatisfying uh, out there. So uh, it's patience, right? Take your time. Let the markets kind of do its functionally thing. Weakness in demand, accumulation, those things are, are the marketplace that we have seen for the last eight years. Uh, uh, don't fall into the trap of forced selling or panic selling. That's that's traditionally not a thing in, in housing. And this was the best year. This would have been the the, the, the best backdrop in history to test that. You know, after all these uh, years of home prices and all this equity buildup, the mass panic selling of 7 to 8 million Americans going to the market at once out of 143 million units. And we're at 1.28 million. Not satisfying at all. Too small.
0: So, you know, okay, so I was in the nail salon yesterday. And who's talking in the nail salon? But a realtor – Talking to to some of the other people, and they were talking about like, oh, you know, I was going to list my home, but you know, this is a bad time. And she's like, yeah, don't list your home now. You should definitely wait until, um, you know, in in next year. Next year will be better for you. And I and I was like, interesting advice, and also this is the problem.
2: You you know, part of my twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty four economic model, the one thing that can go wrong in this period of time is that if inventory levels break, you have the potential of home prices growing above historical norms. That's what we've seen. 2020, no inventory increase that year, no seasonal inventory. So we ran into 2021 uh, with all-time lows in inventory. Rates were low, demographics were good. So we have accelerated home price growth to the point to where we have 10 years of home price growth in three. Right. And that was my biggest concern. So the worst thing that could possibly happen happened, but even worse, right, because the party never stops. So many people have such low housing costs and rates have gone up so much so fast and prices have gone up that the total cost to move now is, you know, for some people problematic, which means they're not going to do it for other people. Go. Why would I do that? Right. So, we have natural sellers every single year. This is what I call the traditionally selling listing group, right? Uh, this is why it was very just, dis- you know, I-, I didn't want to see the new listings data decline after the end of June because we need to have a functioning marketplace. And um, seasonality is almost here. Typically, toward the end of October is when we see total inventory data fall. Uh, uh, but uh, it makes for a very interesting 2023 because. This inflation is here. It's sticky, right? Home prices are going to be up 7%, 10% this year uh, 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 because the growth was so hot early on. Um, It it makes for probably to me the most interesting spring season uh, uh, that I've ever done uh, work from since, uh, since 2010 because you have a very interesting dynamic. You have total inventory levels very low. You have an expensive housing inflation marketplace. You have stingy sellers who existing home sellers are always stingy. The builders aren't. The builders are very effective in moving their product. And you're going to have this tug of war with inventory levels nowhere near the, you know, historical four decade levels of two to two and a half million, which makes it a very interesting uh, new dynamic. And then wherever rates are going to be at that point uh, uh, makes it just fascinating because this is all brand new. I think for everyone to kind of understand the dynamics that we're here are very abnormal, meaning it's never occurred in this fashion. So we all have to adjust to this kind of reality uh, uh, of it. So uh, it it literally, everything that I thought that could go wrong has gone wrong. And now that rates have gone up so much so fast, there are a lot of people who are just going, "Mm, boy, my 2.75, my 3.75 rate, my living in my home for so many years as wages increase uh, uh, and total costs have gone lower. Uh, some people can sell their homes. It's not a problem. Even if rates at 7%, they can buy a house. They have so much equity. But for others, it's like, boy, really, it's not that, not that good of a deal right now. And, and that's the dynamic between the sellers and the buyers next year. Uh, do the sellers uh, reduce their prices enough to entice buyers? Where will mortgage rates go? Is it going to be as volatile as it is uh, this year or next year? So a lot of moving variables that are not normal, Right. Housing is supposed to be very boring. That's why I say uh, you never want days on the market to be 16 days or a teenager. You want 30 to 45 days so people have time, make their choices, everything works normal. It's been utter chaos since the start of 2020, and uh, we're still dealing with it.
0: We definitely are. You know, we had the Case-Shiller prices come in this week. And for July, we had an 18% increase nationally from June, which was – A lot, but actually, uh, definitely a big drop from what we saw from May to June. The June to July was was actually it was it was decreasing. But we're still up nationally eighteen percent. And you see some markets, Tampa, Miami, Dallas, uh, Tampa and Miami were over thirty percent increase. And you had a whole bunch of markets. I think there were ten markets over twenty percent over. You know, so their prices in July were twenty percent over their prices last year in July. Like, how is that possible?
2: So when I when I look at the Case-Shiller index, I I always revert back to 2013, 14, and 2018 and 19. So whenever rates rise, growth rate of prices fall. Um, the Case-Shiller data lags a few months, so the growth rate of pricing is going to start falling more noticeably. Uh, the last existing home sales market um, median prices were up almost eight percent. Even if you look at Zillow's home pricing market, there's only one marketplace that's actually negative year over year. I think that's Boise. In the last month report, so we started the year off way too hot and now when rates rise as much as they want and did the growth rate is cooling that trends itself down all the way uh, uh to next year you have the seasonality of prices of course the price growth uh, tends to fall toward the fall and winter and then picks up in the spring and summer again so um we're in this dynamic to where growth rate should be falling case Schiller lags uh it'll catch up to it this is similar to what happened in uh, 2020, uh, 2020 inventory broke to all time lows. Kind of toward the end of the year, case seller index was rising, but it was actually stronger than that because that data line was lagging in a few months. So this is the opposite effect. So the growth rate of pricing is falling. Uh, it's just this year is not one of those years. I mean, for me, my 2022 forecast was about 5.2 to 6.7 percent. That is a major cooldown and deceleration uh, uh, in home prices this year. I'm not even going to get there. Uh, because the year started off too hot. Uh, so we're probably going to end the year about 7 to 10% total growth. So it makes it even a more interesting uh, 2023 if rates stay this high and we have a buyers versus seller, just that tug of war battle. What will sellers do? Because they're kind of still in control. It depends on do they cut enough to get buyers in here or uh, the homes that are selling right now, 16 days on market is very fast, right? So the people that are priced at their homes, right, are selling. Uh, So the question is, should inventory, hopefully, days on market grow next year so we get a little bit more of a functioning marketplace, which I think will be more effective for everyone right now uh, after all the drama we've dealt with uh, since uh, 2020.
0: Okay, so you and I have been talking about rates all year long, and we were like, will they go to this? Will they go to this? We're in the sevens. We were yesterday. Um, How high can they go? What do you think we're going to see?
2: You know, I mean, obviously, I thought six and a quarter, six and a half would be the top as economic data gets weaker, bond yields typically fall, the Federal Reserve. Once that happened, the Federal Reserve was so mad that they went on all the TV shows and said, no, 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 mortgage rates can't go down. We're not going to cut rates in the next year. We're pushing, you know, they want to push everything up. So if you look at the Fed's fund rates at four and a quarter to four and a half percent, uh, even if you want to go above that, I think the uh, If you try to model out with very weak mortgage-backed security pricing, I mean it would be like seven and a half to eight percent would have to be the the upper end. But again, as you can see, you know it's so we we have almost a twenty-five basis point drop today in the ten-year yield. The FHA rates dropped half a percent from yesterday. It's just too chaotic right now, right? Nothing, nothing's working normally. So. Uh, we're, we're whiplash back and forth. Right. So imagine going into a contract or something, not locking the rates, rates go up almost one percent during the whole process and then back down. So it, it's what we have to deal with until things calm down. Right. Uh, and I think the closer the Fed gets to that neutral Fed funds rate where they're going to stop. uh uh, by the end of this year then things should be a little bit more calm next year but if the economic data starts to get weaker the bond yields traditionally will go down mortgage rates should go down with it but as of right now the economic data has stayed firm in the sense of labor right labor is staying firm growth is very slow that's that's that that's an issue that's what the federal reserve wants but job openings jobless claims right those are the two things my sixth recession red flags are up there's nothing else I'm looking at except for those two, right? Those two are it. And uh, the Federal Reserve is very adamant of saying that. Hey, listen, population growth is slowing, so we don't have as much labor as people think. Um, don't fall prey to the labor force participation rate for twenty, you know, for fifteen-year-olds to sixty-four-year-olds. That is a useless data line. You want to look at prime-age labor force employment to population. There, we're almost back. Actually, we are back to to uh, pre-COVID levels. So, majority of people are working. And the Fed doesn't really fear the labor market turning as much because of that. This is what the Japan effect. Uh, Japan's population is dying. 40% of their population will be dead by the end of the century. Uh, They have very low unemployment rates always because even if their economy is in and out of recession, because everyone's working, right? And it's hard to lose uh, that much labor. So we're starting to enter into phases like that, especially certain parts of the U.S. that don't have a lot of prime age labor force growth. To replace them. So uh, your city of Wichita is one of them. Uh, yes, it uh, is. Yes, it is. So it's just uh, when people leave the workforce, they need to be replaced. And if demand grows, need more people to go into that. So the Fed is really keyed on talking about that talking point. That's why they forecast a recession next year, actually. The unemployment rates getting to 4.4% from three and a half percent. Yeah, that's a that's a recession right there. Uh, That's the last thing I need to see. Uh, And if jobless claims start to kick up, job openings start to fall down, there's your uh, recessionary data, which will be probably uh, declared by the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics at that point.
0: Do Yellen's comments make you think that the Fed doesn't care what's happening in global markets? I
2: I think Janet Yellen is gone out of midterms. And to, to make a statement like that with everything going on, I mean, come on. Right. Everyone's everyone's seen what's going on in the world markets, at least at least have the appearance of knowing what's out there. Right. Uh, Yeah. We see a little bit of stress in the something like that. But when you go out there and say, I don't see any financial markets being just uh, see it's statements like that made by Federal Reserve people that people like what's what what are you doing right you know uh when we talk about inverted yield curves, when we talk about all you know recession all my recession red flags were up in late of two thousand six, you know there are ways to counteract market models you know we see this right uh we didn't have any of those things factoring uh in the previous expansion, but there are market indicators that will show you stress, and they are telling you that so you can't make a statement like that and have people take you seriously
0: well logan as always great to have you on we will have you on again in a couple days because things are changing i mean minute by minute it feels like and i know you are watching that 10-year yield watching mortgage rates and we will have you on again in just a few days so you can help us make sense of what's happened between here and there but thank you so much for being on this live podcast this is fun
2: it is a pleasure to be here sarah